This is episode one of the session six sport performance podcast powered by Weight Endurance. Um, Weight Endurance is brought to you by myself, Cody Weight, and also my wife, Kathy Weight. Hello. And we want to start this um, podcast series off here um, with the intent of providing some additional training information surrounding our um, annual base builder training program. Um, each year, this is actually coming up into our 15th year of our base builder program, but each year uh, we take several athletes um, in-house here in Denver, Colorado through um, a very progressive training program. And over the last few years, we've um, introduced a remote option where people from anywhere across the country, or even we had a few in other countries the last last year, following along in this program. And, and I created some monthly audio recordings um, to, for these athletes to listen to and kind of give my pearls of wisdom, so to speak, um, on the training and what, what we were doing with our training program. And this year, we want to grow and expand that remote program. And in doing so, we want to have these weekly um, audio recordings or podcasts um, available to not only the participants of the the training program, but anyone really that wants to listen and, and, you know, maybe you're not following the training program exactly, you know, or, or even have the training program, but, um, at least some of the same concepts and principles that will be presented, you know, in this audio recording will, um, be useful to you. Maybe give you some things to think about. In becoming a better cyclist. Correct. In becoming a better cyclist. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I left that part out. So, (laughs) Um, our main our main target audience are cyclists and also triathletes looking to improve their cycling leg of the of the sport. Um, but uh, really, any and all cyclists can really stand to benefit from that from this program. So, not to kind of make this an advertisement for that. Um, this first episode, what we want to do is basically just sort of archive some who information. Yeah, who we are. Who's who's this Cody Wake guy? Who's this Kathy Wake woman? And you know, why should I listen to them? Um, so you won't, I'll be honest, you're not going to learn much at all probably about, about training in this episode, but more just kind of about us and hopefully it, you know, adds some interest interest and credibility to, um, to who we are and what we're doing and a little background on, you know, that we know at least a little bit, if not a lot about what we're talking about. So, um, so there we go. So let's Let's do it. Kind of get it going. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start it. I'll, um, ask you, Kathy, you know, what, um, (laughs) what, uh, what's your background? You know, how did you, why should I listen to you for training advice on endurance sports? (laughs) That's kind of a broad question. Right. Well, I grew up in Indiana and my dad was into running half marathons. And so when he'd come home from work, he'd say, Kathy, grab your shoes, go run. And when I was really little, like five, it might mean that I just ran one time around the neighborhood, which was a half mile. And that grew from there, and um, I really enjoyed running as a kid. Ran in junior high and high school. I wouldn't say I was amazing, but I was pretty good. I'd finish the top of the group. I played basketball. And then when I went to college in Florida, I didn't play any competitive sport at first, but I loved playing intramural sports and jumped into anything and everything. Broke some fingers and just had a blast. Um, Then I decided towards the end of my college career to run on the cross-country team. And because I had taken four years off, I definitely wasn't competitive anymore. I was in the middle of the pack, but I loved it. And I had two years, two seasons of running cross-country at the college level. It was a blast. Got yeah. To, and I remember you yeah. telling some stories where you'd show up at 
was it like Florida State yeah, University? Yeah, really cool. Like, like these oh, that was University of Florida. University yeah. of Florida. They're like professional oh, looking my gosh, collegiate yeah. runners. Yeah, and, and I was are. just like this awkward dork and. <laughs> Talk about intimidating. Yeah, I was completely intimidated, but I it was awesome. I don't regret it. I, I guess I do regret taking four years off running, but that's just what happened. And um, yeah, then I got married pretty quickly after after college and had three girls and wasn't doing much in the in the realm of athletics. But then I met some friends through the preschool where the girls went to school, and they were swimming and biking and running. And I thought I want to do this again. I had no background in swimming, um, which you can tell when you watch me swim, (laughs) but I I started going to the pool with them and learned enough uh, about how to swim that I would join my friend Nancy up in Boulder for their weekly stroke and strides. It was so much fun. So I'd swim a half mile and then run a 5K, mostly burping up the lake water I swallowed (laughs) while I was swimming. Um, But that was my intro into being competitive again. Um, and then I met you in 2008, and thankfully, um, you were excited about showing me cycling and had some bikes I could ride, since yeah. you're not much taller than I am. Thankfully, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, what, two or three inches taller than you, but yeah. your legs are two or three inches longer than mine. So right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was the best thing that ever, well, you were the best thing that ever happened to me anyway, and then figuring out that I loved cycling was the second best thing. Well, let's take a quick step back too. When you back to college, your degree was in physical education. Yes. Which throughout your life you've hemmed and hawed maybe of like. Why yeah, did I, I actually. And... Yeah, I didn't. Co- I didn't teach very long. I, I I taught for like a year and a half at a residential care facility in Lakewood. Um, but it's funny how life comes full circle, and now what I get to do is still teach slash coach, and it's with adults and teenagers who are definitely wanting to be there in the class right and now is right versus yeah. in the school setting where you have a bunch of goofballs who are forced to take PE and they don't care and the teacher can be frustrated so yeah, I feel very very lucky that I get to work with people who are <clears throat> wanting to be there they're paying to be there they're wanting to become better athletes yeah and it's like you went to school knowing you love sports and training and right. educating people on training and fitness and whatnot and yeah but i never saw it happening this way so yeah like the it, middle early part of your adult life you like maybe were questioning yeah maybe i shouldn't have done that why did i do that yeah and, and now it's sort of come around and being yeah a, i feel very lucky now that it came yeah. full circle and i get to still be involved in sport and competition and health and just fun, fun, right. fun, fun stuff. Very cool. So back to where you were saying we Yeah. Met. So then we you... got you on my bike. Yeah, we took that ride on the bike path that first day, and you said, oh, you're good at this. Yeah. And I right, didn't, in, right, right away, I knew. I could well, just I tell by... Well, I didn't feel good. I felt dorky, but I knew I liked it. Um, so from there, yeah, you just encouraged me to try triathlons. That was, that's how... Well, I that's should back up, too. Yeah. In 2009, we met... Cody and I met in 2008, and then... In 2009, in December, I had a pretty serious back surgery, a spinal fusion surgery, and um, that delayed everything a little bit. So I had to rehab from that. That took about six months, and then I was able to get back into running, swimming, and biking. And from there, the training sort of took off. And coincidentally, I think through that spinal fusion whole ordeal was maybe what introduced you into the importance of like strength training yes. and kind of like the physical therapy side of Mm -hmm. strength training, you know, like the stability training and the importance of that. And I know for me, that was a real eye opener. I had always been in done strength training for periods of the year, but 
never looked at it as something that someone needs to do, you know, spinal fusion or no spinal fusion, but needs to do just for health and longevity in any sport. So that yeah, was you're right. It did open my eye-opener. eyes. And it's been a process, but I was very, very lucky to know Lindsay Krauss, which might be a familiar name to some people listening to this. She was a serious and still amazing runner at CU and Kara Goucher was there and she's a physical therapist and I was very lucky to get to work with her post-surgery doing Pilates at her house. So that was my my first introduction to serious core work. I still do Pilates regularly, just unfortunately not with her because she's not doing that on the side anymore. Um, and then learned strength training from you because it was a learning experience along the way that I needed to be much stronger than I was. Right. Right. Yeah. So then we, because you were in Xterra, I started doing Xterra and I wasn't very good at it at first. It was quite humbling, (laughs) but I did love it. I loved the people. I loved the... We got you on the mountain bikes. Yeah. Oh gosh, I was so bad. (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast of Kathy's bruises, but um, yeah, lots of tears and bruises from falling off the bike. Learning to mountain bike at what, age 35, I think yeah. I was, 36. Massive kudos to you. Cause yeah. Because anyone that, that knew Kathy during those few years, it's like she had, she was more or less covered with bruises head to toe probably eight months of the year. Yeah, I wasn't very good. I, I'm not very coordinated. I don't think I naturally have good balance. Yeah, and, well, I mean, to fall down that many times, get up, dust yourself off, and keep going and not give up. I mean, so many people, probably myself included, if I had learned at 35, like would have just been like, this is crazy. I'm doing yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting on a side note to watch the teenagers learn to bike so well when they learn at 14, 15, our kids included. Sure wish I would have yeah. found cycling back then. Major but, difference. Yeah, when you um, learn when you're 14, 15, total different story than 35. Yeah, so we 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 both were doing Xterra ex- there for a few years, and um, I guess my career culminated in winning age group nationals in, I think, 2014. 14, I think, yep. yeah. And then we both decided the next year just to do mountain biking. Uh, you had your back issue. Right. I'm jumping ahead, and you're going to talk about your thing, but... Then we just switched to mountain biking and um, dabbled a little bit next year, one year, but mostly mountain bike biking focus because I realized that was my main love and I didn't want to have to keep dividing my time. Yep. And our kids were getting more singular focused on that. And yeah. So spending more time with them just made logistics It made more easier. sense. And I and wanted to be a better mountain biker anyway. Like, yeah, for sure I did. And jumping into races that were mountain biking and not triathlon was what finally pushed me to the next level of being a confident and better mountain biker. So, yeah, but then come to this year and that's, yeah, still mountain biking. Right. Strength training. Right. Very good. All right, your turn. Um, you, Cody, you grew up in Arizona. Tell that's us, right. Tell, <laughs> tell us how you um, got into endurance sports. Yeah, so um, also like you, I I think I was just drawn to endurance sports as a young person. And, um I mean, you go way back, it was started with BMX bike racing. I crashed a lot at that. It didn't really last that long. Um, got a mountain bike when I was about 15, I think. Um, really enjoyed that. Ended up entering a local race, I think, when I was about 16. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. And I knew by the end of high school, um, this was pre-high you know, high school mountain biking league days. It's gotten so big in the last 10 years um, that... 
you know, I wanted to, I wanted to try to make a profession out of this. I wanted to be a professional bike racer. Um, at the time, a mountain biking, because mountain biking was really big. This was like mid nineties and, um, kind of pursued it from there. And, you know, I went to my parents and said, Hey, you know, what do I, I don't know if I really want to go to college, at least not full time. And I want to pursue this bike racing thing. I'm 18 going on 19 and let's go for it. And I, my mother was very supportive. and Oh, I, tell a story about how she contacted your first coach. Yeah, so I was sort of self-coaching myself with Joe Friel's um, Training Bible book. It was like, you know, the first edition. It had only been, you know, out at the bookstores for a year or two. That's how far back this was. And, you know, I read it cover to cover, you know, three or four times. I was working on my annual training plan, you know, in the library, taking, you know, community college classes when I should have been studying for other things. And, um, you know, I went to my mom and said, Hey, I, you know, I don't know if college is totally what I want to do right now in my life. I want to race. And she's like, okay, well, how do you become a professional? It's like, I got to train better. Okay. How do you do that? Well, I'd probably need a coach. And she's like, well, okay. So who do you, who's a coach? How do we find a coach? And I was like, well, holding this book in my hand, I, I don't know, I guess this guy, Joe Friel. And she took the book out of my hands and turned it to the back cover where, uh, you know, has his bio and his information and, and literally like picks up the phone and calls Joe Friel while I'm standing there. And as an 18 year old, you're like, oh my God, he can't, can't do that. This guy's a famous coach. Right. And, um, so she calls him and I think my memory is that somehow she got in touch with him. I don't know if it was right then or he called her back or whatever, but ultimately he was busy and filled with athletes, but he pointed us towards somebody else, um, Dr. Arnie Baker in San Diego. And um, long story short, that's who I ended up working with and kind of being my coach, but also my mentor sort of into becoming a coach later right. in life. And then you moved out to San Diego and got to ride with him and his group. Right, right. So he coached a lot of different cyclists, professionals and, and amateurs alike. And yeah, I moved, um, I had some family in San Diego, some grandparents at the time that I could go live with, um, and train out in San Diego. Um, and then ended up moving to Boulder in the summer months to con- kind of pursue the training and racing. Um, ultimately then switching into road bike racing because that was on the incline at this point, like around 2000, um, mountain biking was kind of declining in mm-hmm. popularity. Road biking was inclining because of Lance Armstrong. And it was like, if I'm going to try to be a professional, I got to go the road racing route because there's more opportunities to potential opportunities to, to do that and pursued that for a number of years. And, you know, developed an amazing, you know, aerobic base, um, through the training that, that Arnie had me doing. And, um, you learned a lot from him. Learned a lot, yeah, enormous amounts. I mean, not just about cycling, but life, and also about physiology, and you know how training works, and how our why and how our bodies respond and to recovery. training, recovery, all that sort of stuff. And um, really, an invaluable experience. Um, and I got to about twenty-four years old, um, raced some professional road racing for a year, um, and kind of felt like I. had maybe reached my capacity or at least I needed a break if nothing else. Looking back, a break was probably all I needed and I could have kept going, but I wanted to kind of give it up. Um, so you came back to Boulder? Yep. Came back to Boulder and, um, attended culinary school of all things. Cause th- as a young bike racer, I ate a lot of food. And so I thought <laughs> I love food, right? So I <laughs> let's, uh, look into how do I make food for other people? And we're um, very grateful you went to culinary school. Yeah, and that was an experience I, I can still appreciate as well. But um, ultimately, that didn't end up panning out as a career choice. Well, you realize that you missed 
the training and you missed the racing. That's true. And yeah. And it was just calling me all the time and, you know, I, I just liked it. You know, right, right. It. Yeah. But I, then you switched your focus to triathlon. Right. So while I was attending culinary school, um, I had just come back. This was like April. So I just actually spent all winter training in San Diego. So I was really fit, kind of supposedly starting a ra- next racing season and wasn't. And I was like, well, what do I do with all this fitness? It's like... Well, I had some friends in San Diego that were triathletes, and it was like something that always kind of intrigued me, but I never really wanted to do it while I was trying to race a bike, and um, and said, well, shoot, let's do that. I'll start, uh, I have amazing bike fitness right now, I'll just pick up running, pick up swimming, and try and to Were you amazing at both when you first started? No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> and I just never got really amazing at swimming. I mean, better than the average person. Better than I. That was... Uh, I, that's one of those things you got to learn as a kid, I think, to get really good at. But, uh, you know, running, that's a funny story. I know you always get a chuckle out of it. It's like, you know, I i sat down with a friend of mine who had also recently switched from uh, bike racing to triathlon a, a year or two ahead of what I did. Um, and I went to his house and I was like, hey, you know, I want to give this triathlon thing a try. And he's like, okay, first thing you got to do is go, go to the local high school running track, run three miles around the track for time. You know, get it set kind of an average pace and figure out what to do that. And it's like, okay, three miles, no problem. So the next day I went and yeah, did three this. miles probably did not sound like a big deal when you were used to riding. A hundred miles a 100 day. hundred miles right. Right, right, on your bike. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so I went and I, I ran this three miles, you know, being as aerobically fit as I was, the first mile was no problem. I, you know, it was easy. I was moving along pretty quickly. Um, you know, probably seven minute mile pace or something like that. But that rapidly slowed down as my you know, unfamiliar, my muscles being unfamiliar to running, um, started to fatigue pretty quickly. And, you know, I barely finished the three miles kind of squeaking out like about an average of a, I think it was like a nine minute mile pace or something. Yeah. That's what I remember you saying. Yeah. And it was like, it just felt so hard. The last mile, you know, it just was like eye opening. And then the funny part is the next day it was like, I could so sore. Yeah. Barely get out of bed and sitting down on the toilet to, Go to the bathroom in the morning was like excruciating. So it's like all these muscles I've never used before for that activity were um, kind of awakening. Well, I think what I love about this part of your story is that because you had to learn to swim and run as an adult, even though you had grown up cycling, you're you were able to coach me and many other adults who were mm-hmm. learning as adults. Yeah. To get into the sport. And I, yeah, I think because of that, myself having to learn, and anything I've done in my life is like, I get sort of obsessed with it, and I you read every book it, I can yeah, read. Analyze yeah, it. you know, watch every how-to video, everything to figure it out. And so I think, yeah, with swimming in particular, but running as well, it's like I had to figure this out. Like, how do you, anyone can just go run, but right. to do it properly and efficiently, it's like I had to take the time to learn and figure it out. I didn't actually have like a running coach so Mm -hmm. to speak and so I just you know read everything I could and watched people that were good at running how they ran and yeah and I think that helped me become a very good coach for other people learning um, how to run and how to swim um, having had gone through that exact process myself rather than being the kid that you know swam club swim their whole life superstar yeah and you just you just naturally become good at swimming because you swam so much but um but yeah that's a great point Sometimes you didn't know that a, a trail would be difficult for me because you had grown up. Yeah, exactly. You had grown up cycling, 
And so I would be terrified. Right, but, one of our early mountain right. bike rides. It's like this easy trail in my mind. It's and like, I thought oh, I was going to die. You're new. Let's go do this. This is an yeah. easy trail. And then, <laughs> yeah, you but That's okay. You I survived. It, it pushed me to get better. But then I have that same, like, empathy and, like, understanding for these kids that are learning. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and then... Yeah, exactly. You nailed it for sure. So you did pretty well in Xterra. You ended up um, winning age group, but I don't remember what year that was before me. Six or seven, and then you turned pro because by the time I met you in 2008, you were already racing in the couple seasons pro. Yeah, yeah, in the pro category of Xterra, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I loved Xterra racing. Traveling, still do. I think it's an amazing sport. I'm always like a little bewildered and saddened I guess that it's not bigger than it is or what I think it should be because it's so fun and it's so accessible to so many people I mean I did a lot of road triathlons as well I mean Ironman Arizona um and you know won some half Ironmans and you know like the overalls at half Ironmans and Olympics and did all you know road is fine and fun but the off-road Xterra racing—it was so fun. Yeah, it's, it is so fun, and it, it, they do call themselves that family or the tribe, or you know, and it, it's true, and it, right. it's fun. And I, and be perfectly honest, I miss it, and don't be surprised if you know I or we both go back to it at some point down the road. Is we have great and, memories. Yeah, it's it, it's a great sport. Um, and did that? Yeah, I think about ten or eleven years as a professional, um, and all the while yeah. honing kind of my coaching craft and all that sort of thing along those years as well. Um, up until um, 2000. Yeah, you hurt your back, so then you yeah. had some cortisone shots. Yeah. Was that 2015? 2000, yeah, I think it was the 2014 Xterra World Championships in Maui. I think I... Scorpion. Like hyperextended yeah. in a shore break and compounded with probably a lot of downhill running I was doing leading into that race, weakened th- some things, but that really was the acute activity that I think herniated a disc. Because I remember the next morning after that race, I could, could barely, barely get out of bed and walk down right. the street yeah, to get our, our pastry and whatnot in Maui. And um, so I think that was like fall 14, okay. 15, struggled. Um Early 2015, struggled with that herniated disc. I was impatient, like a lot of athletes are when they're injured. Tried to, you know, thought I'd got an injection and um, would be good to go in a couple days. And I'd resume training and it would flare up again. So I had to get several injections. But ultimately Um, you realized that the biking didn't aggravate your back. Yeah. And so I think that was the first year you started training for Leadville. Right. It was. Yeah. And that was to the bewilderment of my doctors. It's like sitting on the bike kind of closed up like that actually didn't bother my back and made my back feel better. Whereas standing up straight and certainly hyperextending swimming or running is what aggravated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really make sense because the way the hernia, where the herniation was and everything, um, it didn't line up, but it just is what it was. And yeah. So then you trained for so Leadville. I rode a lot. Yeah. And it was kind of a fun, like, relief. And Leadville, again, was something that I'd always wanted to do, but could never really fit it into a triathlon racing schedule. So it was like, okay, this is the year to, to do it. All I can do is ride, so let's ride a lot and, and give it and a go. And frankly, I was happy just to ride, too, because I was ready for a break from the three sports, the yeah. three disciplines. Yeah, and for a long time. Yeah, yeah we were just ready for a break. And so it was yeah. fun to... 
to just ride our bikes and it was i'll brag about you a little bit you crushed it that year at leadville first yeah, year and was, was really it was 701 701 23 few, few i think yeah. yeah just yeah. missed the seven just missed it but barrier, and he did goal. get checked by annika Longbed, but it's true but i can know <laughs> she's <that>. a superstar <laughs> um but that was fun yeah that was a great a great race great experience um and uh yeah i mean maybe we'll that, fast forward into what kind of has happened the last couple of years to have us form session six the facility yeah and the kids team exactly yeah no i think that's a great idea um so during all these athletic endeavors um i started a coaching business this was like 2004 working with um some cyclists, and then also as I was learning triathlon, helping some other people learn triathlon, and then kind of building that up and becoming kind of both a triathlon coach and a cycling coach um, since then, and um, becoming, you know, working the odd jobs, coaching people on the side, becoming a full-time coach as my profession, my single income source, kind of right around, I was still working at the bike shop when we met, so it was like oh nine. Yeah, something like that. 2010, maybe, is like when it became like a full-fledged profession. Um, and then shortly after that, I convinced you to join me a little bit because I saw your ability to communicate with people and, mm -hmm. and teach people. I thought we made like a good team um, that way. Because, we're so cute. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and you were doing the winter indoor cycling program when we met. So yes. you would rent space at different places around town. Yeah, so our indoor trainer series, um, I started that I think as 05, um, and yeah, we would, I had some friends that had some friends that owned like a fitness studio in Denver, and so we convinced them to let me kind of sublease the space at certain evenings, and it kind of took off from there. Um, so yeah, this year's our 15th year, so I guess we could Yeah, we've hopped around from place to place, yeah, we were in the, spaces. in the local Lakewood rec centers a few times, some other local kind of fitness studio places, um, doing this training program um, that has kind of become sort of our, the mainstay of our coaching business yeah, in a way. Yeah, bread and butter yeah. and what people know us for, I think. And it's really grown because back in the day, I think you had like 10 people who signed up for... One class. A, yeah, two times yeah, a week. Yeah, two nights a week for 12 weeks maybe. And, the, and they had to bring their own trainers. Oh, their own bikes, trainers and everything. their own it bikes. A, it was a real pain in the patootie. Right. But um, then it evolved into, a long story short, we opened our own facility in, uh, I think, January of 2016. Yes. Session I've lost six. track of dates. Yeah, yep. session six in Lakewood. Um, it's six in Garrison. And then we finally could have a home for the trainer studio and expand it, evolve it. And it turned into th three sessions a day um, for, well, now we're doing like a seven-month program, eight-month program. Yeah, eight months this year. But it has evolved over the years and it come, become this more expanded, right, in-depth, comprehensive approach where we've now gotten to integrate strength training to complement the, the indoor cycling. Right, and that's been the big piece. That and, and also providing the the smart trainers so everyone's training with power, not just heart rate. Right. Um, with the Wahoo kickers that we have. But yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of people have had compu trainer studios and things like that and done, done well. And um, But I think, like you said, the, adding that strength component where we had two days a week on the trainer, two days a week in the gym lifting weights, that's what really, I think, sets us apart 
from anything I've ever heard of that um, for cycling specific training. Well, and, the other thing too, and we'll get more into this as the podcasts go on, but but you've developed protocols for testing that have been become the the base of how we progress in the trainer program yep. too. So stay tuned for more thoughts on, on that. But I'm really proud of you for how you've progressed the yeah, program th- over thanks. the years. And I couldn't have done it without you to be perfectly oh, goodness, honest. Now everyone's going <laughs> to die from the cheesiness, right? the cheesiness, the mushiness, but, <laughs> but it's true. And that's what's where, how we kind of came up with this weight endurance because not only because our last names are, are weight, but we love the acronym we because it's us. It's Cody and Kathy, you know, coaching people. You know, Kathy handles most, if not all, of the strength training sides of things um, with her CrossFit certifications and her USA weightlifting certifications and PE education background. She's amazing at that. And then with all my cycling background, I handle most, if not all, although you did quite a bit of the cycling stuff this last spring um, in the trainer uh, studio portion of it. So, it really is the two of us. So when mm-hmm. people work with us, um, whether it's in our group training programs or coaching, you know, it's really two on one, not one on one, because they get both of us as as your coach. And I think it works great because we complement each other perfectly. You know, the things that I'm really good or not so good at, you're actually really good at, which is more of the what would you say? Well, you're better the, at the analyzing the data and explaining the protocols and the reasons the why things, maybe, blah, yeah. blah 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 and then i like to give you have definitely more of the emotional the pep talks yeah, and the, um, the anecdotal side of things right right so I, hopefully it works well for people and yeah. i think some people like more of what you can provide but together it's a good team right so i let i'd like to talk now about how we ended up with our youth team our we devo team um, we have this awesome group of kids but it definitely was sparked by the fact that we have some athletic children of our own, mm-hmm. um, specifically uh, the one kid who stuck with it. But what, do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, I guess it started um, two years ago when we were asked to be coaches for our local high school NICA league team. Shout out to um, Gil McCormick. Yeah, so NICA, for those of not familiar, is the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, which is basically a long word for... Um, high school mountain biking team. So um, it's a national level uh, association and then various states. I think there's like 30 plus states now that have their own individual leagues within the state. And then the they somehow organize it with the high schools. Um, and not every high school has it, obviously, but um, here in Colorado, quite a few of them do. And um, so we were asked to coach two years ago, our local chapter. And... Um, it was really fun. It, yeah, it was this really is fun. when our kids, uh, Sophia and Noel, were freshmen. Um, and we had just gotten them into kind of, well, we got them their first sort of real mountain bikes that, that Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we rode kind of over the summer a little bit. And then going into the fall when school started is when the, here in Colorado, when the NICA season starts. So um, they were relatively fresh and new. In fact, I started them out on, you know, fully rigid mountain bikes. They were carbon fiber, so they were crazy light. They were like 17 pounds, but fully rigid, you know, one by 10 or 11 drivetrain because I wanted them to start. Well, one, I wanted them to have the lightest bikes possible because they're small, smaller girls and it's more fun to ride a lighter bike. It's easier and more fun, but also starting rigid, I thought was a good way to go. One, because that's how I did it, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but also it, it forced them to 
choose a line. Exactly. To yeah. learn how to ride a bike. Yeah, they learn how to ride a bike rather than to kind of smash through things. So, right. Um, and that all worked well. Kudos to me. <laughs> well, except for the fact that Noel did flip off her bike. We had a few first Nike yeah. race in Frisco and sn- you know, broke her frame. Right. Right. We had to get the car. That's okay. Guy. It all worked out. Um, but yeah, so they raced and we coached, um, their freshman, um, sophomore years. And then it was like from there, it was really eye opening. Number one, to see the number of kids and particularly the number of girls involved. It was really cool. Um, in the high school league. But the number of kids that were doing this and getting excited about riding their bikes and bike racing and um, all that was amazing. But being sort of the more high-performance-minded person that I am, it was a little frustrating because as the high school coach, we wouldn't really get to kind of get our hands on our high school kids until it was like July. July. And the season started at the end of August. And some of these kids were like dusting their bikes off, you know, at the beginning of July and like, okay, time to get in shape. We got a race in six weeks. You know that doesn't usually work the best. You know, it's endurance sports and cycling in particular. You know, you gotta. It takes weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years to get good and develop the energy systems to to race at your highest potential. Now I know we're working with teenagers here, but it was just a little bit frustrating. And then you'd see some of these kids that were getting really, really good at racing and and riding their bikes and really have the potential to kind of take it to the next level, the more of a national year-round level and maybe, you know, become a professional. And so that's where I think it became intriguing to me, this thought of mm-hmm. like, well, the high school leagues are amazing and great and we're so thankful they're there. But like there's kind of this gap between for like a 17, 18-year-old kid to go from like the high school leagues to kind of more of that national level USA cycling and international level racing um, and that's what kind of got me excited. Right. Well, and you're so, a visionary, so you saw this need. Right. And you, you, well, we were kind of lucky we had this facility, so it was kind of a no-brainer. You said, let's do it. Let's yeah. put together a group of kids that are serious about training. Right. And they can come train with our group at the facility. And Right. It was yeah. groundbreaking, really, because th- there are swim clubs that have been around for years. And running clubs. More and more and, running clubs that yeah. are around, but... Yeah, all the soccer club teams, teams, volleyball but teams, but there aren't a lot of year-round bike clubs. Yeah, specifically ones that actually train their athletes. I mean, there's there are some development team mountain bike teams out there that they'll wear the same outfit and show up to the races and you know have fun and that's great and all. But there's very little training involved, and that's how we wanted to do it. Different is like let's get let's handpick a small number of kids that live in the area, mm-hmm. like you said, can come to our training facility you know, February, or I'm sorry, uh, like November through September, you know, more or less year round, train with us. We'll teach them how to strength train properly. We'll teach them how to pedal their bike properly and pedal their bike properly, teach them how to, you know, do long rides properly, teach them how to do slow rides properly, teach them how to do recovery rides. Yeah. (laughs) They still don't quite get the concept. Teach them how to fuel, teach them about the importance of sleep. Um, yeah. Teach them so how much. to, yeah, rest and um, how to have the mindset for racing, which I get very excited about. So we'll, we'll talk about these kids in the upcoming podcast because they're really fun to talk about. Um, and that is part of our the stories that become, yeah, the interesting part of, kind of the, the training. Stuff right. of the training, right. 
Yeah, and it's been great. And we just actually, as we're recording this now, um, it's August 2nd, 2019. Um, last weekend was the USA Cycling um, Mountain Bike National Championships in Winter Park. And uh, we walked away with five national champions um, out of our group of, um, oh, I guess, eight athletes that we were coaching this year and myself winning one of those national champions. But then um, uh, Ryan Campbell winning um, cross-country 15-16 and short track 15-16. And then our daughter, Sophia Forney, winning um, cross-country and short track 15-16 women. So it was like a, a massive success to see these kids. And then our other kids that raced also did amazing Just great results. Well. Yeah, like yeah. PR type of efforts for themselves in terms of placing and overall effort of being able to ride hard start to finish. Right. We couldn't and, have been more proud. Yeah, and it was really cool. And it was so rewarding as a coach um, for both of us. You know, people were coming up to us that weekend congratulating us on everything and how great, it you know, we did with our program, being a first-year program and – you know, USA Cycling Management was coming up to us and patting us on the back and saying, good job, you know, we're going to keep an eye on you guys and all that. Yeah. So It was a f- great super weekend. Super rewarding, yeah. yeah. Really, really had fun with that. So we're m- more motivated than ever to um, kind of keep that going into next year as well. Um, so speaking of next year, um, moving into, you know, we're kind of getting the last month of summer more or less, August now. Um, looking at going into our 15th year of our base builder program. That's that trainer series, that winter trainer series, which has now become a kind of a fall, winter, spring trainer series. Um, and also the strength training program specific for cycling. Um, and, um, we're kicking that off a little bit earlier than normal this year. The, the last week of August actually, um, with some strength focus and then maintain, doing some outdoor riding, not not quite ready for the trainers yet in September, October, because um, at least here in Colorado and much of the country, September, October are kind of the best months of the year to get out and ride um, and or race some cyclocross racing as well. Um, but we're starting that strength program a little bit earlier and then going th- all the way through winter and into spring um, with our base builder program. So our 15th year of doing it. Um and we have uh, 45 in-house slots at our training facility that we're mostly filled up on. We have a few left. And then um, looking to really grow our reach on our remote base builder program. So um, that would be something that if you're listening to this recording now uh, that you might be interested in learning more about, which we'll talk more about in some future podcasts. And then as we get started in that, in the end of August, our weekly recordings or weekly podcasts will really kind of break down the specifics of each week of training. So um, whether you decide to join us and kind of become a member, so to speak, and follow along exactly on the program, you'll gain obviously a lot from that. But even if you're not on the program and you're listening, I think you can still gain a lot of um, insights and tidbits and pieces of advice that you can incorporate into your own training program throughout kind of that off-season time frame. Um, and I will reiterate, it will work very, very well for people also looking to get some fall racing, whether it's cyclocross or some fondos or whatever. It's not necessarily like you have to stop all competitive activity and just do this. Because um, we plan to race some yeah, cyclocross. Yeah, we'll be definitely be racing some cyclocross kind of for the first time as a regular thing. Um, so we're looking forward to that, something different and fun. Um, so this will very much be 
work very well around um, continuing to ride outside through the fall months, racing cyclocross into the fall and early winter months, and then um, and then obviously the trainer stuff really plays a big role as we get deeper into winter here in Colorado, particularly. So, um, so stay tuned for that. Um, I think we'll wrap it up here, but our the next couple of recordings we're going to do or podcasts we're going to do um are we're going to just highlight before we dive into that um first week of base builder training you know we have a couple weeks prior to that we want to do a couple shows just sort of highlighting some of our training philosophies so um session six is our training facility in lakewood colorado and we get a lot of questions of like what does that mean session six and cody um, what does that mean yeah i get that a lot actually so sessions, honestly, I just like that word because it's something as triathletes and cyclists, you throw it around training session, um, you know, massage session, mis- yeah, massage Can session. It's just, you know, um, a, I just like the word, I guess, to be honest. And, um, you know, it looks well written and, it, you know, through, through our facility, we were offering a lot of different training session opportunities. So that's sessions. The six comes from, um, Six, the six elements that we've kind of identified over the last several years that leads towards proficiency or success in endurance sports. And those six elements are, the most obvious one is your endurance or aerobic training. Um, then strength training is number two. Then your skill proficiency. So whether that's a technical swimming stroke or your mountain biking skill or whatever that may be, you know, skill is number three. Um, then your diet and nutrition is obviously a really big piece. Um, then the one we call stress management, which can also kind of correspond with like recovery techniques and then also just dealing with a stress in one's life, whether it be work stress or family stress or training stress um, and managing that. And then the last one, the sixth one, is that mental fitness or kind of psychological component of uh, one, being able to sort of plan out your season and be strategic with your training, but also, you know, things like believing in yourself and having a mantra when things are hard in a race and things like that. Um, so those, those six elements are kind of what round out our training philosophy. Um, so I think what we're going to do the next show, um, that we're going to do is going to tackle the first three elements They're sort of the on bike or on, in training kind of elements, the the aerobic fitness, the strength fitness, and the skill proficiency. So we'll kind of deep dive into that a little bit. And then the, the show after that, we'll do kind of the off-bike activities, which is that diet and nutrition, stress management, and mental fitness, um, and just kind of dig in a little bit about that. So our goal is that, you know, with the, this episode and the next two, you get to know a bit about us, what, you know, our background, our experience, our credibility, and then also our training philosophy and how that'll um, kind of tie into the base builder program that we do and ultimately our uh, race preparation training programs that we do in season as well. Um, so hopefully you'll join back for that. We haven't. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for spending some time with us. Um, yeah, and so look for these. We're going to do these once a week and um, all through the end of summer, fall, winter, and spring. And then when we get to summer, we haven't quite figured out what that'll look like, but I'm sure we'll keep, it'll evolve as we go and we'll keep something going with uh, continuing. I'll probably talk more about our races we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for being a part of it and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds great. Talk to you later.